Thank you, Nick. It's time now for our message. We have the privilege of introducing Mr. Don Kearley, Mr. Dave Eskoff. Don is our Director of Discipleship. Dave is a longtime member and, and teacher, especially at, at our Midpoint, which usually meets during this hour in the music room. Between the two of them, they are going to help us today understand the ancient Passover Seder meal and then tie it to what we'll be celebrating in just a few minutes afterward, the Lord's Supper and how this works together where God promises and then he delivers on his promises to bless us and to provide forgiveness and salvation for his people. So Dave and Don, come on up. Let's give them a round of applause and welcome. Well, good morning. It's a pleasure to be here today, and this Passover celebration is such an enjoyable meal. Dave and I have been here at Emmanuel for close to 30 years, and over the, that time we have done five, maybe six different demonstrations, and a couple of times we've done the full meal over the two, three-hour period. And um, Dave and I first met back in the 90s. I was a relatively new Christian, and uh, a couple of years in, leading a Bible study, reading through the Passover story in the book of Exodus and looking at all of the fulfillment, reading some articles and, and some books about how Jesus came to fulfill this. And I was amazed. I knew it was a Jewish holiday. And Dave had been invited to the Bible study. And I heard that he'd grown up in a Jewish household and celebrated Passover, his, his uh, growing up years. And I was just fascinated to uh, discover and learn more from him so as he came down the uh, stairs into the cafeteria at the historic campus and uh, to join us in Bible study, I was so excited I practically tackled him. I went over to shake his hand and I, I blurted out, hi, I'm Don Kearley and my favorite holiday is Passover. And he just kind of looked at me and thought, is this guy for real or what is he? And, and he didn't know what to make of it. And you replied, Dave? Well, pleased to meet, pleased to meet you, Don. Is your mic? Oh. My mic on? oh, no, we got a microphone problem. Okay, you go to the back and get your microphone fixed, and I will continue on so we don't have a uh, malfunction. Uh, Dave's microphone got caught up in his coat between services, so we had to uh, try and fix that. So through that time, Dave and I celebrated this, this uh, meal and demonstrated all of the elements that point to what is a 3,500-year celebration, okay? And this is probably, throughout the world, the oldest continuously celebrated holiday. And uh, it's miraculous that it has survived that long. You will see on the uh, table here that there are many elements, but central to this entire feast is the remembrance that God delivered his people from slavery in Egypt. And all of these elements were eventually added on to point to that event as well as the deliverance of the Messiah to this world. What you see before you tonight, uh, this morning, will be Wednesday night celebrated in millions of homes. The uh, actual table as it sits here, probably more place sittings, and even larger is what we set at sundown on Wednesday evening when Passover begins. And there are many ornate and decorative items uh, but central to this entire feast is the Passover lamb. Without the lamb, you do not have 
Passover. So keep that in mind on this Palm Sunday as the shepherds would have been gathering all of their sheep to bring them through the sheep gate up to the Temple Mount to be observed and examined by the priests so that they could be offered up as a sacrifice. So too at that very moment, God's Lamb, Jesus, was entering into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday where he would be examined and observed by the priest before he was sacrificed. So if Dave's microphone is working, if not, we will switch. Is he live? Can you hear me? Is he live? Can you hear me? He is not. Okay, come on up, Dave. You're going to wear my microphone pack. Okay. We will get him all hooked up. Where did my glasses go? Gotta light the candles. Good morning. That was all planned, right? That was, there was no, we knew this was gonna happen, right? Well, good morning. And the punchline was, so, so say it again. So, so Dan said, so then Dave, what did you say? Dave, what did you say? I said, Don, my favorite movie is White Christmas. The timing is everything when you do this humor stuff. So. But it was, it was funnier when we had it well-timed. So, okay, so good morning. So a little bit of background first on the Passover, like a little bit of historical background. And are we going to light the candles? I'm gonna, first, first of all, we're going to say a prayer. In, uh, I'm going to say a prayer in Hebrew. Um, on the lighting of the candles, which kicks off the Passover meal. Baruch Adonai, Eloheinu Melech HaOlom, Asher Kiddishanu B'mitzvotav, Bitzivanu Lalik Ner Shel Yom Tov. Amen. I'll read in English. Blessed art thou, Lord, King of the universe, who has commanded us to light the holiday calendars. Amen. Okay, good morning again. So, what a nice start. So it gets the heart going. But hey, let me give you a little bit of background, sort of leading, a little quick historical background leading to um, this event, the Passover, right? So it starts in 1450 BC. And at that time, the Jews had been enslaved for 400 years, right? Under the rule of Pharaoh of Egypt. And it was now God's time to deliver the Jewish people from Egypt, free them from slavery, and take them as his people. And the manner in which he would do this, he would first appoint Moses, and through God's power, Moses helped lead the Jews out of Egypt. Uh, and the manner in which God would go about unhardening the Pharaoh's heart uh, to be able to deliver, to free the, the Jews from slavery was through a series of plagues. The first nine plagues did not unharden the Pharaoh's heart. And then finally, it was the 10th plague that did the trick. The 10th plague 
you know, being the slain of the firstborn Egyptian. Now, God wanted to protect the Jewish people from this 10th plague. So what he did is he called them to do a series of things. First, he first called them to take a lamb, the best lamb from their flock, a lamb without defect, and watch over that lamb for four days. Right? And during that four-day time, the, the Jewish families would become emotionally attached to this lamb. But it was on this fourth day that God then called the Jewish people to kill the lamb, and take, which would actually be a true sacrifice to that family. They were to take the blood of the lamb, spread it over the doorpost of their home, and then that night they were to fully consume the lamb that they just sacrificed. And when the angel of death came through town that night, all the firstborn Egyptians were killed, but the firstborn Jewish people, the angel of death passed over their homes, and the firstborn were freed from death. And then finally, again, that was the plague that did the trick, and the Pharaoh finally would let the people, um, the Jewish people, free from Egypt. So relative to these miraculous events, what God had ordained that this holiday would be remembered, or for the Jewish people to remember this holiday forever, right? And, and 3,500 years later, each year, Jewish people come together to remember this miraculous event. And this Wednesday night, uh, Jewish people around the world will celebrate the Passover, much as I'm about to just share with you. So to start out uh, the night, so if God had called... Uh, the first question is, if God had called the Jewish people to remember the Passover, how do they go about remembering the Passover? Well, they bring their family together at a table similar like this, and over a course of three hours, retell much of the story that I just shared. Uh, I just gave the abbreviated story, but the story goes in much, much greater depth, and there's prayers and things of that nature. There's a leader of the Passover meal, which is generally the the husband of the house, but it could be anybody. And, and what they do is they um, all have a prayer book, and the prayer book that they use for the remembering of the Passover is a Haggadah. And the translation of this Hebrew word Haggadah is the telling, right? So it's the telling of the Passover story sits within the Haggadah. Now, when you hear the term Passover Seder, the term Seder itself translated means order. So in essence, order, the the Haggadah is the order, or the Seder is the order in which the Haggadah reading in the retelling of the story is done within the Haggadah. Now, one of the things to note, and it was great seeing the pr procession with um, all the children you know, coming in with, with the palm branches and being active. Well, God, relative to the Passover, wanted the children to be actively involved in this event. And the reason being is he wanted to raise the curiosity of children such that this this Passover event could be passed down from generation to generation. So the leadoff of, of, the, of the Passover starts with the youngest child. And as you can see, the, the leader of the Passover sits at the head of the table. The youngest child will sit right to the right hand of the leader. And the youngest child is called to recite this Hebrew prayer. It's the four questions, right? And it sets up the night. Now, I, you know, this is the part where I would get really sort of anxious, like, is my younger cousin, cousin going to make it? Because <laughs> if not, I was on the hook. Thank goodness he made it most of the time. But the four questions, again, it sets up the night, are translated are simply this. First question being, why is this night different than all other nights? Second question being, why on all other nights do we eat both leavened bread and, un and unleavened bread, but this night only we eat unleavened bread? The third question is, 
on all other nights, we, may, we eat all kinds of herbs. This night, we mainly eat bitter herbs. And then the fourth question is, on all other nights, we're called to sit straight up at the table, but on this night, we get to recline. So again, the setup of that just leads right into the retelling of the story uh, by the family over the course of three hours. Now, the structure and the backbone for the retelling of the story is the food and the wine at the table, right? And how is that? Well, God, when he called the Jewish people to remember the Passover, he required the, the Jewish families to partake in minimally three food items, matzah, bitter herbs, and a lamb, right? So how does that work? Well, what, first of all, what is matzah, right? Here's a piece of matzah. Matzah is simply unleavened bread. Unleavened bread is bread that's cooked without yeast, right? Without yeast, the bread can't rise. Now, I don't know if anyone's ever had matzah, right? It's, you're wondering, like, what this tastes like. Well, and, and if, is it good? I mean, is this something like, you know, but well, if you're someone that likes stale bread, you would love this, right? This is my stale bread of choice, right? So I, when I crave stale bread, this is what I go for. And, and what the Jewish people do, what the families do, is that this starts sort of the remembrance in that the, the matzah, the unleavened bread, is to remember the haste with which the Jewish people had to exit Egypt, right? So they cooked the bread without yeast because they didn't have time for the bread to rise, right? So that, that, that explains that question, young child. So got a couple more for you. The second um, food item that they're required to eat is bitter herbs, right? And bitter herbs, like, is just simply remembering the bitterness of slavery that the Jews endured while in Egypt. And then the third piece of food is a lamb. And, and actually, on the bitter herbs, I mean, in your bulletin, you could see, see the bitter herbs on there. Uh, and then the third piece of food is the lamb, right? So the, the Jews are required to fully consume the lamb. And, and that's done to remember, obviously, the, the redemption of God, the, you know, God's redemption of the firstborn Jewish children. I mean, without the Passover lamb, there's no Passover. So it's central to the Passover meal. However, as you can see on the Passover um, plate in, in your bulletin, there's no lamb. But there is a shank bone of a lamb, which is, is there to replace the lamb. And what's the story behind the shank bone of the lamb? is that in 70 AD, this is only 40 years after Jesus' death and resurrection, the Romans came to town and destroyed the temple, right? And it's the temple where the sacrificial system exists and where the temple is where the Passover lambs were brought to that temple every single year to be sacrificed. To this very day, the temple hasn't been rebuilt. And without a temple, without a sacrificial system, there could be no lamb at the table. And this uh, lamb of the shank bone is there to replace that. Now, the, there's still the dilemma, right? I mean, the rabbis had the dilemma, like we were called to consume a, a lamb at this table. Well, more on that in just a few minutes. That's, that's called a tease. We'll get you ready for it. So then here, we've got four cups of wine, right? Yes, four, I get four, you get one. You only get one, I get four, right? So. It doesn't seem fair. I don't even drink, but I get four. <laughs> that seems not even fair at all. So these four cups of wine, the general meaning of these four cups of wine is that this helps the Jewish people remember the fourfold promise that God made to the Jew Jewish people, that they would deliver the Jews from Egypt, which is cup number one, 
that they would that God would ultimately free the Jews from slavery. Cup number two. Cup number three, that the that God would save the firstborn, would redeem the firstborn. Cup number three, the cup of redemption. And cup number four, the cup of acceptance. It's a way for the Jews to remember again God's choosing of the Jewish people as his people. Right now, these cups of wine aren't all taken at once. There's no like, you know, every time you say matzah, you've got to take a sip of wine game. That game's not played at, at this Passover Seder meal. But they are separated over the course of the night, one, one cup. And again, a way to remember the events of the Passover. Um, so now we're going to shift, right? So everything that I've shared with you is, is everything that has taken place from the very first Passover that was celebrated in 1450 B.C. all the way to the present. Now, um, after, again, Jesus' death and resurrection, at the end of the first century, there were some changes made to the Passover ta table, primarily some additions to the Passover table. There were food items that were added, and you could see in your bulletin that I only covered two of the food items. There's other food items covered here. And normally we have about an hour and a half to tell the story, so we're on the, um, you know, the cliff notes. We've got cliff notes on, on steroids in this. So, won't explain that, but there's two events that were added that are really central to this, to this message. And the one event, and then I want to share that with you right now, and these two events were added again towards the end of the first century after Jesus' death and resurrection. And the first event is called the Afikomen, right? So the Afikomen, what, the, the way that this event works, it starts right after the taking of the first cup of wine. So it starts towards the beginning of the night. And the leader of the Passover meal will come to this pouch. And inside this pouch, there's three compartments, an upper compartment, middle compartment, and lower compartment. And they all contain matzah. There's no rabbit in here, but there's three pieces of matzah in each of these three sections. And what the leader of the Passover table will do is he'll take from the middle pouch, right? Not the upper, not the lower, but the middle pouch. He'll take a piece of matzah and then... He will break it in half, and then he'll take this afikomen bag, right, which is essentially, he will wrap this piece of matzah in this bag, and then he'll hide it away. So I'm going to hide it away. Turn around. I'm going to hide it away. No looks. So he hides it away. They go on, so, so this is after the first couple of wives. So the, the meal and the retelling continues with some more stories, the taking of the second cup of wine more stories, more prayer, and then the family sits down and eats dinner, eats supper, right? And it's a lavish Jewish meal, lavish, uh, great Jewish dishes, filter fish, matzo ball soup, kukul, none of which you've probably ever had or touched, but they're really good, brisket. Um, but they all sit down and enjoy supper, and that lasts for about an hour. So now after supper, right, and big emphasis on after supper, the Afikomen event continues. And what the leader of the Passover table does is he calls all the children to go and search for that bag of Afikomen, right? So the children go around, they search, they search, pretend like children are searching. Um, and then one of the children will find it, right? And then there's like cheering and celebration and, and, and happiness, right? Child brings the bag to the leader, the leader gives him a prize or an award, maybe money, Ben Moses to them, or something to the effect. And then the leader will then take this piece of afikomen, this piece of matzah, 
out and break it into pieces, right? Small pieces, small bite-sized pieces, pieces for each person on the table. So this is a time where like the people around the table are secretly praying that the leader of the Passover meal washed his hands after supper. But you just go with it, right? So then, then he then calls everybody at the table to take their piece of matzah, this piece of unleavened bread, and they and take of it, right? So that everyone at the table takes of this piece of, piece of bread. At the same time then, this is the time where the third cup of wine that everybody at the table takes, right? So they all take a sip of the wine. Now, what's significant about the piece of afikomen and the timing and the third cup of wine? Well, what I shared with you before is that there's a shank bone of the lamb and the rabbis had to come up with an alternative for the lamb. Well, what is that alternative that the rabbis came up for, the eating of the lamb that they were commanded to do? What's well, this piece of afikomen that has become the lamb? And then the third cup of wine, as I shared, is the cup of redemption. The cup of redemption, as I shared, is the saving cup, right? It's the cup where the Jewish people give thanks for God saving the firstborn through the death of an innocent lamb. So immediately after this, there's a, uh, the other event that I wanted to share with you is the event called the Cup of Elijah, right? So as you can see here, there's a place setting that is set at the, at the table, at the Passover table. It's an empty place set, setting, right? Dishes in a lavish cup for Elijah. Now, who is Elijah? What is Elijah? What does all that mean? Well, everything about the Passover meal itself is a looking backwards and a remembrance of the Passover, the, the first Passover, which is what the Jewish people are called to do, and they do it faithfully. But there's one element in this event where they look forward, and this is the time where the Jewish people are looking forward to the coming of the Messiah in the hopes that the Messiah will be coming on their Passover meal. So what does Elijah have to do with it? Well, it's thought that, that Elijah would be the forerunner, would be the person who would come before the coming of the Messiah, the Messiah of the Old Testament, and, and then announce that the Messiah is on his way, right? So, so that's, that's the foretelling. So the hopes are that, that we're going to open the front door because at this moment, the leader of the Passover table calls one of the children to go to the front door, and they're all sitting on the edge of their chairs with the hopes that Elijah's going to come in that door, we're going to sit him down at this place setting, he's going to announce the coming of Messiah, and there's going to be lots of celebration. So they send him to the door. Everyone's sitting at the edge, edge of their chairs waiting to hear what the child calls out. The child opens the door and says, sorry, Elijah's not here. However, there is a package from Amazon. You want me to bring it in? Well, with that then, um, after that then, they move to a close. Again, I'm, we're given 15 minutes on an hour and a half celebration here. And at the end, they partake in the fourth cup of wine, the cup of acceptance. And again, it's the, it's the praising and thanking God for accepting them as, as their people. And with that, then they'll close in prayer, which I'm going to do with you right now. So if you take your bulletin, I'll read the Hebrew and we'll all read together in English. Baruch Adonai, Eloheinu Melech HaOlom, Pri Agafen. Amen. Okay. Okay, as long as Don has a mic, he's going to come up here and he's going to share some real interesting insights to everything I just shared. Okay, thank you, Dave. 
And everything that Dave has just outlined has a punchline, and there's deep meaning. And remembering that the lamb is central to this entire meal. Okay, without the lamb, you don't have the meal. And there has not been a properly sacrificed lamb since A.D. 70 when the temple was destroyed. So as Dave pointed out, the early Jewish Christians began to add elements in, and one of them was a shank bone to represent the lamb. The other thing that they partook of and ate rather than the lamb was the afikoman. So here is what happened in those first couple of centuries following the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Early followers of Christ, who were Jews, were still continuing to celebrate the Passover, and they started adding elements in that pointed to the Messiah that had come. The first of those is this pouch, and it has three compartments. They added that in to point to the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Next is they pulled out the middle piece, the second piece of matzah in the middle compartment. It represented the second person of the Trinity, Jesus. The next thing that happened was, as Dave took the matzah and he broke it, and then he wrapped it in the cloth in the afikoman bag, and then he hid it away. This was to represent Jesus, who died on the cross, was broken for our sins. He was taken down from the cross, he was wrapped for burial, and then he was hidden away in the tomb. And then very importantly, once again, at the third cup of wine, the cup of redemption, the children are sent out to find this afikoman, this, this piece of unleavened bread. And as they go out and they look for that, and they come back and with great joy and excitement, the Lord Jesus Christ on the third day at the third glass of wine rose from the dead. They added that in to point to his resurrection. And then fascinatingly, as the children are all celebrating like an Easter egg hunt, they found the prize. They then take that piece of afikoman and pass it around the table and everybody, rabbinic tradition, everybody partakes. That is a direct representation of what Jesus did in Matthew 26 in the upper room. This is my body given for you. He broke it, gave thanks, and then everybody at the table partook. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. It's exactly what we're going to celebrate in the Lord's Supper coming up. And here is the amazing punchline of the entire morning. The afikoman word is a Greek word, and this entire order is laid out in Hebrew. So how did a Greek word make its way in to this Hebrew celebration? They added that in because Jew and Gentile were now joined together as the body of Christ. And they added that word in because it literally means, afikoman means he came. They were adding in all of these elements to say, we are not looking forward to the Messiah to come. He has already come. That piece of matzah that was broken, wrapped, buried, hidden away, and brought forth is what is screaming out to Jew and Gentile alike, I've come and I've paid your debt. This Wednesday evening at sundown when Passover begins and Jews, millions of Jews throughout the world will sit down at the Passover table, they, unbeknownst to them, will not know that Jesus is present there. And this story, the whole celebration of, of, of Passover points to that truth. So as you remember this and you look back over 3,500 years of this and you look back to the time when the Hebrews were enslaved in Egypt and they were commanded to take that blood of that lamb, apply it to their doorposts of their house so God's judgment would pass over. We too, as Jew and Gentile alike, are called today 
to take the blood of the Lamb of God, not a four-legged lamb, but the Lamb of God, and apply that to the doorposts of our heart so that God's judgment, too, passes over us. Thank you for being a part of this this morning, and worship will continue. Thank you, Don and Dave, both for that presentation and for helping us better understand the historical roots of what we are about to celebrate here in just a few moments. As we confess our faith then, something like that, so uh, you will learn a lot today, even if you've already seen this in your lifetime or you know a little bit of the history. It's a great lesson in tying the Old Testament together with the new, the promises of God in the past, to how he fulfills them. And so that we then are blessed in receiving our own supper, which we'll do later on in the Lord's Supper. So Don Keerley, our director of discipleship, and his sidekick, Dave Eskoff, uh, come on up. Let's give them a, a warm welcome and round of applause. Well, good morning, and it is a pleasure to be here and celebrate this Passover Seder with you. Uh, Dave and I have been here at Emmanuel coming up on 30 years, and we have done this demonstration four or five different times. A couple of times we've done it with the full meal, and it's a three, four-hour experience. So we're, we're very excited to be able to do this with you again today. Dave and I first met back in the 90s. I was a relatively new Christian at that point, and I was reading through the Old Testament, reading the book of Exodus about the Passover, and I also had found some material, some articles and some books about how Jesus Christ fulfilled this Jewish holiday. And it was still being celebrated by Jews throughout the world and unbeknownst to them that Jesus was present on that table. So I was fascinated with this. And Dave had been invited to our Bible study in the historic church and over in the cafeteria in the school there. And, the, and I, was, I was thrilled that he was coming because I knew he was Jewish. He had grown up in a Jewish household observing Passover. And I was learning so much about this. So as he came down the stairs in the cafeteria, I practically tackled him as I shook his hand and blurted out, I'm Don Curley and my favorite holiday is Passover. And he stared at me and thought, what is this guy all about? And is he, does he really mean it? And Dave, you replied... So it's pleased to meet you, Don. I just want you to know that my favorite movie is White Christmas. <laughs> but um, boom. And lo and behold, our friendship began. And uh, we did a lot of Bible study together and unfolded what you see before you today. Uh, the Passover celebration is, is first and foremost a remembrance about deliverance from Egyptian bondage. But secondly, all of these elements, more importantly, point to what Jesus did for us on the cross, these elements that were added in. So on Wednesday evening, millions of Jewish households throughout the world will have tables set just like this when at sundown, Passover begins. And you will find out this morning that everything about this meal is centered on the lamb. Without the Passover lamb, you don't have the meal. So keep that in mind on this Palm Sunday as the priests in Jesus' day we're waiting for the shepherds to bring the sheep through the sheep gate in Jerusalem, bring them up to the Temple Mount so they could be observed and examined before they were sacrificed. So too, at that very moment, Jesus, the Lamb of God, was marching into Jerusalem 
and he would be examined and observed throughout the week before he was sacrificed. So without any further introduction, if you'll follow along in your bulletin, everything is outlined there. Dave is going to tell this story, and he will begin this morning with the prayer in Hebrew, and then we will join him in saying it in English, and then I will light the candles. Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolom, asher kedishanu b'mitzvotav b'tzivanu while hiklir ner shel yom tov. Amen. Let's read together in English. Blessed art thou, Lord, King of the universe, who has commanded us to light the holiday candles. Amen. Good morning. Actually, I mean, it's more challenging for me reading that English than the Hebrew. <laughs> So, but this is going to be good. So good morning. So look forward to, to sharing with you all the stuff that's going here at this table. But I want to start out with a little bit uh, of history, like the history that brought the start of the Passover. And it started in 1450 BC. And it was at that time the Jews had been enslaved by the Pharaoh of Egypt um, in, um, for, for 400 years. And it was now God's time to deliver the Jews out of Egypt, free them from slavery, and take them as his people. So in order to accomplish that task, uh, God appointed Moses uh, to lead the way. And through God's power, through a series of plagues, ultimately it would unharden uh, the Pharaoh's heart. The first nine plagues had no impact. However, it was finally the tenth plague, which is the killing of the firstborn Egyptian, that actually did the trick. Now, to protect the Jewish families from this plague, what God did is he called the Jewish families to take you know, a lamb in their, in their flock, uh, the best lamb in their flock, a lamb without defect, and watch over that lamb for four days. And during that four-day time, the families of the Jews would become emotionally attached to that lamb. It was on that fourth day that God then called the Jewish families to kill the lamb, which would then become a true sacrifice and take the blood of that lamb, spread it over the doorpost of their homes, and then fully consume that lamb that night, i.e. the first Passover meal. So when the angel of death actually came through town, killed the firstborn Egyptians, but passed over the homes of the Jewish people, and the firstborn Jews were saved by the death of that innocent lamb. Due to the miraculous events that, it, um, that um, under God's hands, God had ordained this night, this day, to be remembered forever by the Jewish families. In 3,500 years, um, this, this event has been celebrated by Jewish families. This coming Wednesday, uh, Jewish families around the world will partake in the celebration of this Passover and remember the Passover, much of how I'm going to share with you in the next 10, 15 minutes. Um, so to start out with, like how, how, you know, God's calling the Jewish families to remember the Passover how do the Jewish families go about remembering the Passover? Well, they come together as a family and sit around a table, you know, like this, and actually retell the story throughout the night. So retell the story somewhat of what I just shared, but obviously in a lot more detail. Um, and, and during those, those three hours, um, the leader of the, of the Passover event, the Passover Seder, sits at the head of the table and takes them through, takes the family through the events that had taken place, the retelling of the story in a prayer book called the Haggadah, right? And Haggadah translated as simply the telling, right? 
Now, Passover Seder, which is what you see up on the screen, the word Seder means order. So the story is told in a particular order, in a very specific order, through the Haggadah. So one of the things in terms of like, like the Passover celebration that's really important, and God very much intended this, which is to have the children actively involved in this, in this event, in the celebration. And the reason being is that, you know, in order for um, this celebration to be passed over from generation to generation, he wanted to build the curiosity of the children and have them actively involved in this on an annual basis. So to start out the Passover Seder, uh, again, by the fact that the children are, are, are integral to, to the celebration, they lead it off, right? So the place setting here to the right of the head table is where the youngest child sits. And the youngest child has a special um, purpose right at the get-go of kicking off the Seder meal. And they recite in Hebrew the four questions, right? And there's, it's, it's, it's a real, real nice, fancy prayer. This was the time where I was like, like praying to heck that my youngest cousin was going to show up. Otherwise, I would have been stuck having to read this. Um, but it's, it's a great prayer in, in nonetheless. But what the four questions really set up the night. And what are those four questions? Well, the first question is, why is this night different than all other nights? The second question is, why on all other nights do we eat both leavened bread and unleavened bread, but this night we only eat unleavened bread? The third question is, on all other nights we eat all kinds of herbs, but on this night we mainly eat bitter herbs. And the fourth question being, on all other nights we're called to sit straight up in our chair, but on this night we're allowed to recline at the table. So after the reciting of these four questions, again, it sets up the night for the retelling of the story, answering those questions amongst many more. So one of the things about the retelling of the story is that the food actually plays a central role in helping to retell and remember the events of the Passover, very much intended by God. And what God had called the Jewish people to do is partake in minimally, right from the beginning, three food elements. The, uh, a piece of matzah, bitter herbs, and a lamb, right? So I want to give you a little bit of explanation of each because ultimately the remembering of the Passover goes through these three foods to start with. Well, first of all, they remember the matzah, right? So what is matzah? Matzah is simply unleavened bread. What is unleavened bread? It's bread that's cooked without yeast, right? So anybody... If you don't know what matzah is like uh, or what it tastes like, it's comparable to stale bread. So if you like stale bread, you'll love matzah, right? It's, it's my, my, my stale bread of choice, right? So, so now what the Jews do in terms of like, you know, remembering um, the matzah, the matzah's significance in remembering the Passover has to do with the fact that the, the Jews had to exit Egypt quickly so they didn't have time for the bread to rise, i.e. they didn't have time to put yeast in the bread and have it rise, so it was cooked without yeast, i.e. unleavened bread. The second food item, although I can't pick it up, it's on this plate and it's in your bulletin, is the bitter herbs. So the bitter herbs, I mean, if anyone's had bitter herbs, I mean, you take this and it, it's, it clears the sinuses like nothing else. It's amazing. But quite simply, the bitter herbs is to remember the bitterness of slavery. So everybody partakes in the bitter herbs uh, at the table. And then finally, again, God um, called um, the Jews to eat a lamb, eat a whole lamb, you know, at this, at this, uh, 
at this event. Now, obviously, the lamb is central to the Passover, and it's done to remember the, the saving, the redemptive uh, quality that the lamb did. Without a lamb, without the sacrifice of an innocent lamb, there would have been no freedom or no redemption of the firstborn. So they're called to take a lamb. Now, as you can see on your bulletin, there's no lamb, right? There's, there is a shank bone of a lamb, you know, but not the lamb itself. So why is that? Well, after Jesus' death and resurrection in, in 30 AD, um, 40 years later, 70 AD, the Romans came to town and destroyed the temple. They completely, you know, flattened the temple. And it was at the temple where the sacrificial system occurs, and it's at, the te it's, it's at that sacrificial system, it's at that temple, where the Jews every single year would bring their lambs to the temple and have them sacrificed for the Passover meal. So to this very day, the temple hasn't rebuilt. So without a rebuilt temple, without, there's no sacrificial system. With no sacrificial system, there's no lamb at the table. So, um, so the rabbis have chosen the, the shank bone of a lamb initially to, to represent that. However, that, that, that doesn't fully satisfy God's command that a lamb has to be fully partaken at the Passover meal. So the rabbis came up with a solution or an alternative, which I'm going to talk to you about here in a few minutes. So then after, um, so, so, then, so the food's one piece of it. Then the other core element in terms of the Jews helping to remember the Passover is through a series of four cups of wine, right? The pastor asked me, why do I get four cups? He only gets one cup. We only get, I, just, I don't know. I mean, because I don't know. I, and I don't even like to drink, so it's kind of a waste, but... For me, but, but the four cups of wine in terms of telling the story is, is to remember the fourfold promise that God had made to the Jewish people. And what was that fourfold promise? Well, again, and just backing up just you know a second, these four cups of wine aren't taken all at once. <laughs> They're spread out over the night you know, it, as, they, as they continue to tell the story throughout the night. But initially, that first cup of wine relative to the fourfold promise is called the cup of deliverance. And this is the time where the Jews are able to remember um, and tell the story relative to their deliverance out of Egypt. Then as time goes on in the Passover Seder meal, you've got the second cup of wine, which is the cup of freedom, which again at this time the, the Jews remember and give thanks and praise for being freed from slavery. Right? And then the third cup of wine is called the cup of redemption. And it's the cup of redemption that the Jews remember the redemptive behavior of the sacrifice of that lamb that redeemed, that saved the firstborn child from death. And then the fourth cup of wine, obviously taking it you know, towards the end of the, the meal, is the cup of acceptance, where the Jews give thanks and praise to God for having been accepted as his people. Right? So you think of these four cups, and they not only tell the story, but it's a, it's a time for the Jews to give thanks and praise to God, sort of a cheers to God for the fourfold promise that he delivered to them. So I'm going to pivot a little bit. So everything that I've shared right now up until now, right? I mean, this is a three-hour event. We're boiling this down into a cliff notes of 15 minutes. But everything up until this point is exactly what's happened from the first Passover to the present. But again, I'm going to, I'm going to shift back to after Jesus' death in 30 AD and towards the end of the first century. There's, there are some additions to the Passover table. There's a, some additions of food, and there is a, a couple of additions of two events that we're going to talk about. The food, as you can see on, on, the, on your bulletin, we talked about two of the food items. There are several other food items. Not enough time to go through the meaning of each one of those in this. 
But what I do want to take you through are two events that were added towards the end of the first century. And the first event is called the event of the Afikomen. Now, the Afikomen takes place throughout the night. It ultimately involves the children, um, too, at this. And the way that it, this goes is that the leader of the, the Passover comes to this pouch, and this is right after the taking of the first cup of wine. So this is happening right towards the beginning of, of the Passover Seder. He's got this pouch, and this pouch has an upper compartment, a, a middle compartment, and a lower compartment, three compartments. And there's a piece of matzah in each one of these compartments. And the leader of the Passover will take the middle piece of matzah from this compartment. Um, he'll take the middle piece of the matzah from this compartment. There's not going to be a rabbit coming out of here. So, so. And, and he takes the middle piece, and he breaks the piece of matzah in half. In third half, third two-thirds. Close enough, right? Use your imagination. <laughs> but he takes this piece of matzah, and he's got the afikoman bag, right? I, how do I know this afikoman bag? Because I, I can translate Hebrew right here. So he takes this piece of matzah and wraps it into this afikoman bag, right? And then hides it away. So turn around, I'm going to hide it. So turn, turn. So no peeking. So then what happens after the hiding of the matzah is that that, that they go on and you know, tell more of the story, more of the retelling of the story, take the second cup of wine, more retelling the story, more prayers, and then comes supper, right? So then, then the family then breaks for an hour for supper at this table. And what they have at, at the table is a, a, just this lavish uh, Jewish meal, you know, Jewish dishes. I mean, there's brisket, there's matzo ball soup, there's kukul, which is a noodle dish, um, you know, kefilta fish, I mean, real good stuff. I mean, it's a really, really nice meal. So they spend a, probably a good hour or so um, at dinner. Then after supper, with a huge emphasis of after supper, the afikoman event continues on, right? And how it works is that the head of the Passover um, Seder calls for the children to go and search for the afikoman. So the children go around the house, search, 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 and then one of the children will come and they'll find the afikoman and bring it back. And when they bring it back, there's clapping, there's cheering, there's celebration for the child who found the, the afikoman. And they're usually giving a prize or, um, of some sort. And then what the leader of the Passover um, Seder will do is he'll take the piece of matzah out of the afikoman bag and then he'll break it into small bite-sized pieces for everybody at the table to partake in, right? I mean, and it's just, at this time, like, all the people around the table are doing a secret prayer, hoping that the leader of the Passover Seder has washed his hands after supper. So, so it, and once everyone has the piece of matzah, he calls for everyone at, at the table to take and eat this piece of matzah, this piece of unleavened bread. Immediately after that, then, he calls for everyone to take the thir their third cup of wine and drink of it, right? So now the key thing about like, what is, what is it about the afikoman matzah in the third cup of wine? Well, again, going back to the fact that the shank bone of the lamb is replacing the lamb itself and that the rabbis had an alternative to God's command that a lamb had to be partaken in, in the Passover meal. And that alternative is the afikoman. So 
Rabbinic tradition is now that the Safi Komen takes the place of that and is now the lamb that is fully consumed at the Passover meal. And then the third cup of wine, as I shared with you, is the cup of redemption. And this is the cup, obviously, that, you know, through the, the death of the innocent lamb, that was the saving or the grace of God for the firstborn Jewish child. So immediately after the Afikomen, there's an event that, that sits right on the tail of that, and it's the event of, of the cup of Elijah. Now, this is the fifth cup of wine, and what is the cup of Elijah? Well, everything that I've shared with you right now in terms of the, the celebration and the event is a looking backwards. It's a remembering to the first Passover that had taken place. Now, this is the one time where the Jews are actually looking forward to an event of the future where ultimately their hope is that the Messiah, the one and only Messiah, the Messiah in the Old Testament, the Messiah that was promised by God through a covenant made with, with King David, that an eternal king would come through King David, the one and only Messiah, this is the time where the Jewish people are like hoping and praying that this is the night that the Messiah would come. So what does Elijah have to do with that? Well, it's thought that before the coming of the Messiah that Elijah would appear first. And then when Elijah would appear, he would announce the coming of the Messiah. So, so what happens now is now the leader of the Passover table will call one of the children to go to the door with the hopes of calling out at the door that Elijah has arrived. So as the child's heading to the door, everybody's sitting on the edge of their chairs. The child gets to the door, opens the door, and calls out and is like, sorry, Elijah is not here. But there is a package from Amazon. Do you want me to bring that in? So they'll, they'll do that sometimes. But then there's sort of like a sigh and a wait till next year kind of moment. Um, the last thing, again, sort of moving to a close, is that, again, there'll, there'll be more prayers and it's more retelling of the story. And they get to the fourth cup of wine and partake in the fourth cup of wine. Again, the cup, fourth cup of wine is the cup where the Jews give thanks and praise to God for having been chosen as his people. And then with that, they'll, they'll close the night with a prayer, which I'm going to read to you in Hebrew, and then we'll recite in English. In your, and this is in your bulletin. And it goes like this. Baruch Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolom, borei pri hagafen. Amen. Blessed art thou, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine. Amen. And now Dan will come up and he'll provide some eye-opening insights to what I've just shared. Okay, thank you, Dave. So as we close this morning, we want to give the full meaning to what the afikomen is all about, this piece of matzah that is central to the whole feast, and remembering that the lamb has not been properly sacrificed since AD 70, so there has been no way to represent the lamb in all its fullness. So the rabbis early first century Christians, and this is what happened. This is how this became this meal it was today, remembering there were only three items originally on the table. The early followers of Jesus were Jewish, and those followers of, of Jesus who were, uh, had the whole history of growing up with the whole story and celebrating the Passover, continued to celebrate the Passover, but they started to add in elements throughout that first and second century that pointed to Jesus. And You'll notice that this pouch that Dave referred to, or pulled the matzah out, has three compartments. And that was added 
specifically to point to the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The second piece of matzah, not the first or the third, but the middle piece, the second piece, is the one that is pulled out. That is a direct reference to the second person of the Trinity. That piece of matzah, as Dave demonstrated, is then broken. It is wrapped in either an ornate cloth or an afikoman bag, and it is hidden away. That was put in to point directly to the finished work of Jesus on the cross, where he was broken for our sins, where he was taken down from the cross and wrapped for burial, and then he was hidden away into the tomb. And at the third glass of wine, not the first, second, or fourth, but at the third glass of wine, the cup of redemption, that pointed directly to on the third day that Jesus was raised from the dead, his glorious resurrection. And then, uh, as the children, as Dave explained, go on the, what is akin to an Easter egg hunt, searching for this afikoman, and they find it, and there's great joy, there's great celebration, and all of that takes place, place to remind us that Jesus defeated death. There was great joy and celebration. And then, fascinatingly, the children, who are the child who brings back that afikoman, and as Dave said, the leader breaks off a piece and passes it around, and everybody is required to partake of it. So, too, that was a direct reference to the finished work that Jesus was instituting on that night, the Lord's Supper, Matthew 26, when he said, Take and eat. This is my body given for you, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he passed that bread, that unleavened bread, around to all the disciples at the table. And here is the amazing punchline. This entire order is laid out, as Dave explained, in Hebrew, except for one Greek word that made its way into the celebration, and it's the Greek word afikomen, and it literally means he came. The Jews were remembering the fact that they are now joined together with the Gentiles in the body of Christ, and they added in this Greek word to let everyone know that this coming Wednesday night and every other Passover celebration, that fellow members in the body of Christ, Jews who are followers of Jesus, you too can have that as you see that Jesus is present in this, in this meal. Almost 2,000 years later, Jews and Gentiles are being called out by God to remember that the work is finished. He did it on the cross. The debt has been paid. And by faith, the Jews were called to apply the blood of the lamb to the doorposts of their house so God's judgment would pass over. So too, we today, Jew and Gentile alike, are called to look to the lamb of God, not the four-legged lamb, but the final Passover lamb. Take the blood that he shed for us and apply it to the doorposts of our heart so that we too do not experience judgment. God's judgment passes over and we don't suffer death. Thank you for being a part of this this morning, and we will continue on in the order of service. Thank you, Dave and Don, for that wonderful presentation. Hopefully for, for all of you listening, that ties together the promises of God from the Old Testament to his fulfillment of the Lamb the four-legged one that was slain in the Old Testament becomes the Lamb of God, the one who died on the cross, broken for us, so that all of our sins are forgiven. And so as God's people, let's all rise now and we'll make our own profession of faith into what we believe 
through 